0: Good morning, Cornerstone. Good morning. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, My name is Ho Jin, and I'm the Young Adult Pastor uh, here at our church. If you're here for the first time, we especially want to welcome you. Um, Pastor Danny was playing the bass. Pastor Bill is over there in the corner hiding. (laughs) But come up to us after service. We would love to say hello. Um, Yeah, introduce you to different people. And uh, please know that you've been prayed for. And we're so very glad that you're here. Uh, before I continue, I want to recognize my family. My entire family is here. Um, and then that's, my, that's my sister and nephew over there. Yeah. Uh, this is the first time my parents have heard me preach, and I've been serving for eight years. <laughs> um Because my dad and mom are so involved at church that they can't take Sundays off, uh, but they were able to take this particular Sunday. And um, for my dad in particular, just me standing up here is probably a miracle because I was so shy growing up. He would make me read books from my bedroom so that he would hear me at the other side of the house. (laughs) I would read the dictionary so that he could hear uh, me at the other side of the house. And because of that, I'm still shy. (laughs) (laughs) No, but really, I'm grateful for uh, my parents. Uh, I love them a lot, and um, so much of the good things about me are because of them, so if you get to say hello, just, yeah, just, just say hi and, and bless them in whatever ways uh, you can. Uh, my family uh, came to Boston to celebrate Thanksgiving a couple days after, and I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving uh, while this is a holiday designed by humans. Uh, It's a great opportunity for us to pause and reflect. Uh, Last night, I spent some time by myself uh, just being very, like, truly, genuinely grateful uh, to have my family with me, for my health, for having enough food around the table, to have the ability and space to even host my family uh, until I overheard them talk all of all all about my mischievous deeds as a kid to my wife I was not too happy about that but I am very grateful a question that gets asked a lot during this time I'm sure many of you were asked at the Thanksgiving table this year was what are you most thankful for what are you most thankful for I think it's a great question for us to answer but there's a sense, there's a side of that question that I don't like and it's that it generally communicates that thankfulness is a mental exercise or a feeling that you're supposed to have in your heart. Something that you have to determine or decide upon when you get asked that question. What are you most thankful for? Because a lot of times we have to scramble, don't we? To think about our lives a little bit, to, to get a sense of how we measure and value our circumstances details and experiences in life and even our possessions but what if gratitude was less of a subjective feeling what if it was less of a decision that we had to make and more of an objective reality what if it was based on truth what if our thanksgiving is less about how we feel on the how we feel on the third thursday of november and more about something enduring something that we experience on a daily basis in our lives. And if I'm completely honest with you, before last night, I struggled to be grateful. Um, I I think I was kind of bogged down by a a lot of details of things I had to take care of, and there were some obstacles uh, to getting to that place of a a genuine heart of gratitude. I was trying to force myself, like, you should be thankful, right? We, We do that mental exercise. We try to get to that subjective feeling. I want to share a quote from David Brooks, He's a New York Times columnist and author, and he writes this, Gratitude happens when some kindness exceeds expectations, when it is undeserved. Gratitude is a sort of laughter of the heart that comes out after some surprising kindness. I I especially like that second part. Gratitude is a sort of laughter of the heart that comes about after some surprising kindness. This morning, we want to look at joy and gratitude from the Bible. We want to see that, uh, see what it means to have a biblical expectation and how God tends to, He always exceeds. He helps us experience that surprising kindness. This morning, we want to look at Jesus-shaped joy and gratitude and how it could affect our everyday lives. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Philippians 4. Philippians 4. I'm going to tie my shoelace before I kill myself. Philippians 4, starting from verse 4. If you don't have your Bibles, you can read along with me on the screen. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray before we continue. God, we come before you and we come before your word. We, many of us know that your word is life. Many of us know that your words are the way that we get to know you and experience you. So with our hearts, with our minds, with everything that we are, we, we want to come before you. We humble ourselves. We submit to what you have to say to us. We want to be changed. We don't want this to just be a Sunday morning that comes and goes. But may it be a moment where we encounter the one and only true living God in a meaningful way. That we would have joy and gratitude beyond a a holiday, beyond how we feel, beyond what we think, but a deep-rooted expectation of who you are and what you will do in our lives. So we depend on you. We trust you, God, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this book of Philippians, this letter, is written by the Apostle Paul to believers who are actually doing very well. Uh, it's one of the few letters that there's no issues happening in, in the church in this city, Philippi. He doesn't write because there's a crisis or there's some conflict within the church, but he actually writes, them, writes to them to encourage them, to say, hey, keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep going deeper in your relationship with God. So this letter has a very, very strong theme of joy. And actually, when I struggle with joy, this is the book that I go to, Um, joy and in trying to go deeper in my understanding and my relationship with God by remembering Jesus and his example. And chapter four is the last section of this letter, and he's giving them parting words. So today, I want to give us all an invitation to a very different type of thanksgiving. And I use that double meaning, thanksgiving as a holiday and thanksgiving as a posture, as a habit of our lives a different type of thanksgiving than we typically see in our culture and world. God invites us to experience joy and gratitude that's lasting and life-giving, a joy and gratitude that can't be found anywhere else or in anyone else. So today, this is how I'm laying it out. Thanksgiving with God means for us three different realities, three different everyday realities We can experience three different things because of God. The first is that we can rejoice always. We can rejoice always. In verse 4, Apostle Paul starts off right, right off the bat, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. The background of this command is that Apostle Paul is actually almost certainly in jail. He writes this letter from a prison cell. So when he says to rejoice, he's not talking about a good idea. He's not talking about, hey, like really just be happy. He's saying, no, even in the midst of an imperfect situation, you can rejoice. It's as if he's anticipating objections and he says, no, I will say it again. I'm going to repeat myself. Rejoice. You can rejoice always. Without or with God, you can rejoice even in imperfect circumstances, Without God, it's so tenuous, isn't it? We can only rejoice if things go the way that we want, if things go the way that we expect. And Apostle Paul continues, he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And this is such a weird statement to throw in after rejoice always. Let your gentleness be evident, be obvious to everyone around you. That word gentleness can be translated as reasonableness or forbearance. Only those who know how to, be, how to rejoice in any circumstance can display gentleness, reasonableness, and forbearance. You cannot be someone who rejoices if you are agitated, unreasonable, and impatient. In the Bible, the opposite of gratitude is most often described as Grumbling. Are you rejoicing or are you grumbling? A test of whether you are a rejoicing person or whether you are a grumbling person is how how gentle you are towards others, how reasonable, how forbearing you are towards others. And Apostle Paul is is writing this from a prison cell, and he's showing us that rejoicing and being gentle does not depend on ideal circumstances. We, We live so much of our lives thinking that we can only rejoice if the circumstances are right. But here, Apostle Paul is really telling us you can rejoice, you can be gentle. It's more than possible, even in places and situations and experiences that are imperfect. And the reason for this is in the end of verse 5, the Lord is near. The Lord is near is referring to Jesus coming back. Again, Jesus came for the first time over 2000 years ago and that we're going to celebrate that in the upcoming month. He came to draw near to humanity by living a perfect life, living living in a way that was our example, going to the cross humbly, dying for our sins and being raised back to life. This Jesus is the same son of God who's going to come again any day, any day. He's going to come to make everything right again. He's going to vindicate the the less-than-ideal experiences that we have. He's going to make right the wrongs that we experience in this world, and he's going to give us many reasons to rejoice, many reasons to rejoice. In uh, C.S. Lewis's um, The Chronicles of Narnia, the fourth book is Prince Caspian. And unfortunately, this scene is not in the movie. I don't know why it's not in the movie. But Lucy comes back to this magical land of Narnia again. It's been a long time she's been in Narnia. And she's reunited with Aslan, the, the lion who's, who's supposed to represent Jesus in the entire series. Lucy hasn't seen Aslan in a while. And he, she says to him, Aslan, you're bigger now. You're bigger now. Aslan responds, Lucy, that's because you are older. You see, Lucy, every year you grow, that you grow, you will find me bigger. Every year that you grow, you will find me bigger. With Jesus, the, the more we follow him with our lives, with our whole lives, the more we find that Jesus is bigger than any imperfect situation, any less than ideal circumstance. Jesus being near to us is a very objective reason we can rejoice. And the more and more you follow him, you're going to find deeper reasons, more reasons to rejoice every single day of your life. Thanksgiving with God means we can rejoice always. Secondly, Thanksgiving with God means we can be guarded from all anxiety. We can be guarded from all anxiety. Verse 6, we read, Do not be anxious about anything, Do not be anxious about anything. It's like verse 4 again. Apostle Paul is overstating his case. He says to rejoice always. Here he says don't be anxious about anything. In the Bible, anxiety is related to undue concern and excessive worry. Jesus uses the same word to talk about material needs and our futures in Matthew chapter 6. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. It's the same word about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. A couple of verses later, it says, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious. And to wrap up this section of his teaching, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What I most appreciate is that Jesus isn't saying that you have no reason to be anxious. He's not saying that experience is... Wrong. It's the giving in to that undue concern, the excessive worry, letting that captivate you more than who God is. Being concerned about your life is one thing, but to be unduly concerned, excessively worried about your studies and and work, your relationships, your finances, is very different. Being concerned about these things is is a sign of health, but to be apprehensive, full of fear, full of doubt about these things is a sign of unhealth. Being anxious is not a sign of less than ideal circumstances. Being anxious is a sign of your heart. It's a sign of small faith in God within your hearts. And Apostle Paul, he's so practical here. He gives us a very clear alternative to being anxious. In the second half of verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, it's it's absolute. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So that it's more memorable, I'm going to break it down like this. In every situation is the moment. By prayer and supplication is the mode. With thanksgiving is the manner. And make your requests known to God is the method. Apostle Paul gives us the moment in which we can battle anxiety. He tells us the mode through which we can battle anxiety, the manner in which we face anxiety, and the method, which is prayer. It's to make our requests known to God. One Bible scholar, Robert Rainey, he writes this, the way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. Isn't that so good? Amen? (laughs) Like, isn't that so good? The way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. Sam Storms, another pastor, an author, he describes this contrast between anxiety and prayer in this way. Anxiety is rooted in self while prayer is rooted in God. Anxiety is a fruit of narrow, constricted view of life, and the only thing we can see is problems and perplexities around us. Prayer is the fruit of a broad, expansive view of life in which God is so big that everything else, even our worst problems, shrink. Anxiety never raises your eyes above your problems, while prayer raises your eyes above, beyond yourself, to God and his power. Anxiety looks to self to solve problems. Prayer looks to God to endure problems. Anxiety is a concern over circumstances that you cannot control, Prayer is confidence in the God who controls your circumstances. Anxiety is an expression of fear. Prayer is an expression of faith. And just like the first section of our passage, there's a promise. The Lord is near. That's why you need to rejoice. We're given another promise here in verse 7. Why we should be prayerful, why we don't have to be anxious, is that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, your minds in Christ Jesus. For Apostle Paul, peace is an expression of the Holy Spirit at work within us. Here, we're being told that the Holy Spirit is going to guard our hearts, guard our minds, and that word guard is a a strong military language. It's the image of sending a whole battalion or garrison of, of troops to stand by the city gates to protect the city of your heart, your mind. It's the image of the Holy Spirit standing there ready to keep away anxiety from your heart, your mind. Prayer is the way you radio for the decisive, effective help of God's peace through the Holy Spirit when we feel the enemy of anxiety attack us. And this peace transcends all human understanding it transcends all understanding this phrase can literally be translated as the peace of God which exceeds all thought or reasoning you can't you can't describe it adequately that's what the peace of God can do for your life your heart your mind and isn't that the type of peace that we need I I want more of that peace I want to give you you all more of that peace Over the past couple weeks, I've been talking to some of you and some of you are so acquainted with, with pain. I don't know why God is leading you in that way. I wish I could give you that peace. Some of you are very anxious about your futures. I wish I could offer you that peace. But this is peace that you have to claim through prayer. When anxiety comes your way in every situation, through prayer and supplication, With thanksgiving, make your request known to God. With the peace of God, we can be guarded from all anxiety. And then lastly, we can consider every good thing. Thanksgiving with God means we can consider every good thing. In verse 8, the Apostle Paul shares, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The eight words that are used here, that are underlined on the screen, are actually not distinctively Christian terms. Apostle Paul is taking language from culture, from his current times, and and saying, hey, see all the positive around you. They were positive terms for items and experiences that were desirable. And I'm so out of touch with, like, what's slang and what's cool or not, but it's as if Apostle Paul were to say, whatever is cool and lit and fire and, I don't know, like, hashtag, I don't know, awesome. (laughs) I ran out of slang. That's, That's how out of tune I am, but... It's as if Apostle Paul is using those types of terms. And at the same time, Apostle Paul is not unaware that there are things in the world and culture that are not pleasing to God. He writes this in the context of Philippians where Jesus is at the center, where Jesus who lived, who, who, who died and rose again, he's at the, the center of it all. That's the frame of reference in this entire letter. And that's what he is implicitly telling us to do. Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy in Jesus Christ, think about these things. And that phrase, think about these things, is, it's a little bit stronger than it. It's, it. it's take into consideration. Take into consideration all the good that is around you. Apostle Paul is encouraging us to embrace the best of what the world can offer to us as long as it aligns with Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul is telling us to put on the lens of of Jesus Christ, the the glasses of Jesus Christ who lived, died, and rose again and now look at the world, now look at society and our culture, current events, and embrace what's the best and most God-honoring before you. As long as these things bring us back to seeing God more, to know Him better, and making him known else in the world. You know, a lot of times people will ask, "Oh, like, where do you find all the stories that you share?" Right? It's, it's not so much I'm like googling. I don't know. Like, I don't even know. Like, I don't know how I find it. It's the practice of of seeking God through any possible means in any situation. A church in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina produced this video for their Christmas two years ago. I I want to show it to you briefly. (laughs) I'm alive! I'm alive! (sighs) Yeah? Yeah! yeah. Uh, Hey, Christine! You're here too! I love you! I know! Sad! What's happening? Ah. Honey, the power works! It's coming! It goes on and off! Whatever we want! (laughs) We've got clean water! Oh, that's great! Look at that! I bet I know what this does! Rain down the glorious water! Ah. Oh, what do we got here, guys? <gasps> food! Mm, I taste? love food! What? A... A birthday? You have work? This is awesome! Come on, here! The what? Deli- Jack, be careful! Ooh, I have a car! Did you guys see this? Yeah, you have a car! Have car. Have a car! A car. <laughs> <have> a car. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget your coffee! You're the best. A little cheesy, I know. Everything that, you know, this couple wakes up to is gift-wrapped, has a bow on it. I think the world's way of saying, hey, be thankful, be more joyful, is to force yourself to put a bow on things. But I think the, the way that God wants us to experience joy and gratitude is to see it as if God himself is handing it to you. To see that... The things that we use and consume and experience on a daily basis are because God created the world. God created you and me in the image of the Trinity so that we would reflect him. The chairs that you sit on, the phones that you have in your pockets are because of ingenuity, intellect, and imagination that God gifted different people in his grace. Uh, My entire family, we uh, have this fascination with plants. Uh, yesterday, my family went out to Mahoney's Garden Center. If you like plants, that's like the, the place to go. Uh, we spent too much time, too much money there. But every person in my family enjoys just seeing the different types of plants. And we're walking by some plants, and we're just saying, nature is crazy. And inevitably, we get to a place where we say, God's crazy. Some of you love sports. Some of you love food. Many of you love Traveling, being out in nature. Others of you love being indoors. Uh, and some of you very much love your studies and jobs. S- extract and embrace the best of those places where, where you can have God at the center. Jesus Christ. Even the things that you don't like, if you have the lens of Jesus Christ, you can see God's handiwork. You can see God's presence, his power, On a rainy day, you can say, thank you, Lord. You can rejoice. When we start to get more snow, you can, it's very possible, you can rejoice. Really. Extract the best and most God-glorifying aspects of all your experiences. That's what happens when you're in relationship with him. Lastly, in verse 9, Apostle Paul says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, seen in me, put it into practice and the peace of god will be with you do you have that friend or that person in your life who is always joyful always thankful like they're on some special type of like medicine or something right they're they're so like happy they feel like they look like they're experiencing the greatest satisfaction in this life who are those people who seem to be resilient and unshakable no matter their circumstances. For the Philippians, it was Apostle Paul. And he doesn't say, hey, I'm such a good example, but he was, he's saying, as far as I follow Jesus, as far as I imitate him, if you have learned or received or heard or seen any of that in me, just put it into practice because I want you to experience joy. I want you to experience gratitude. And just like rejoicing and And not being anxious, there's a promise again for being able to to see the true, noble, right, and beautiful things is that the peace of God the peace of God will be with you. The peace of God will be with you. I mean, the God of peace. The God of peace. Earlier, a few verses before, it was the peace of God, the expression of the Holy Spirit, but now it's God himself, who's being offered to you. We can consider every good thing in this life with God. We can see him, hear from him in anything in this world, even the broken and imperfect things. It could be extraordinary things. It could be ordinary things, and even the negative and imperfect things. Because if we live with that type of eternal vision, we will almost undoubtedly be more grateful on a daily basis. Thanksgiving with God means we can rejoice always, we can be guarded from all anxiety, and we can consider every good thing. And this morning is an invitation to go beyond Thanksgiving weekend, to behold God, whether it's for the first time or for the thousandth time. Jesus Christ, who came not just once, but he's going to come again. The Lord is near. It's to take pause and and consider that the peace of God is ready for you, ready to be called upon when you experience and face anxiety. Through prayer, you can call on the peace of God. And lastly, we can experience the God of peace. It's not just the stuff of God, the, the benefits of God, but God himself is promising to be with you no matter what. We all want more joy and gratitude in our lives. Amen? You don't even have to be Christian to want more joy and gratitude. But in the Bible, more joy and gratitude comes from being close to God, not having our circumstances change so that we can rejoice, so that our, our anxiety is just plucked away so that we could have peace. Not just to look at good things and avoid all the bad things but to know that in anything that you see or hear or experience, that God is with you. That's how you experience more joy and gratitude in your, in your life every day, not because a holiday is telling us to do it. Earlier, I shared the quote from David Brooks, gratitude happens when some kindness exceeds expectations, when it is undeserved. Gratitude is a sort of laughter of the heart that comes after some surprising kindness. If we enter into a relationship with God, and many of us have, we will always be surprised by God's kindness. Always. We could have, quote-unquote, the worst year of our lives, but with God, he will surprise you with kindness. He will give you undeserved kindness because he promises himself. If we choose to follow Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit, we're invited to as many opportunities as possible to experience the heavenly laughter in all of life of gratitude. And we don't even have to feel like rejoicing. I was, I was driving to, to, to church today. I was listen, listening to a song on Spotify. And even if that was a phrase in the song that I just, just got hooked on, Even if I don't feel like rejoicing, even if I'm anxious, even if I can't see the good things out in the world, God is still going to be faithful. He's still going to be good. He's still going to be with me. And He's still going to be with you. So my desire, my prayer, is that all of us have lasting joy and heavenly gratitude every day of our lives by drawing closer to Him and asking Him to draw close to us. That God's kindness that exceeds all your expectations would be experienced on an everyday basis. Let's pray together. God, we come before you, and many of us are are very thankful, and we want to make sure we're thanking the right person. We don't want to thank ourselves we don't want to thank other people without thanking you first everything that we have and experience and 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 are just surrounded by are from you but Lord may joy and gratitude never be a, a, a mental exercise or a subjective feeling but as followers of Jesus Christ and that could be for anybody here we can experience joy on an everyday basis, gratitude on on a moment-by-moment basis when we realize who you are, what you've done for us, and how you are very much with us, even beyond our awareness, beyond our recognition. We pray that this church will be full of people who know how to rejoice, who know how to fight anxiety, who know how to see the good things of this world in a way that honors you that we will be the most joyful people in this world and be such a witness to the amazing life that we can have in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit with an intimate relationship with you father to strengthen my sisters and brothers here there are still some of us who may have had a very difficult thanksgiving weekend may you prove to them especially how near you want to be to them, how much the peace of God is available to them, and how much the God of peace is with them. So today, as we continue to worship, not just in this worship service, but for the rest of this day, for the rest of this year, for every day of our lives, that we would cherish you. We would want a very, very close, intimate relationship with you. We want to be proximate to you not just for the benefits, but because living life with you produces the greatest life possible. So may you be honored and glorified by our hearts once you change us to be more receptive, to be more aware, to be more observant of the ways that you are near to us, that you guard us, and that you're with us. May you be glorified and honored. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.